Today on The Topping Show, Supreme Court rules that Biden cannot just throw money away and forgive student loans with taxpayer dollars. So the Supreme Court preserves religious liberties. The AK guy goes up against the ATF. The Barbie movie has the corporate office versus the actors. Theo Vaughn and Roseanne Barfer's castle culture. Nike changing pricing and strategy. Apple hits the $3 trillion mark. Goldman Sachs wants out of the Apple partnership. Sriracha sauce is having a little bit of a shortage. Bucky's opens yet another one of the largest stores again. Bud Light goes back on Twitter and still gets ratioed again. And California is now approved to sell lab-grown meat. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. And we have a fun little advertisement to celebrate the holiday today. Hi there, I'm Topping, and I'm the founder of Topping Technologies. We're an IT value-added reseller and services company, and we're American. That's why we're giving away a 50 caliber musket with every July purchase. See details in the post. To celebrate the most important document and the most important event in history, the Declaration of Independence and the 4th of July. On July 4th, 1776, the original 13 colonies wrote the Declaration of Independence told Great Britain the most important fact in history. We are free, and we will not be ruled by Great Britain. Here is my favorite excerpt of the Declaration of Independence. Quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Unquote. Let Topping Technologies be the catalyst to revolutionizing your IT needs. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have the largest Bucky's opening. Now, Bucky's is a huge gas station. It was founded in 1982 by Archie Beaver Applin. That was his nickname, the Applin III. And they're headquartered over in Lake Jackson, Texas. This might sound familiar because as of a couple days ago, they opened and they announced their largest store over in Tennessee. That was going to be 27,000 square feet. Now, in comparison, if you look at an average gas station in the United States, they're about 3,420 square feet. So they're quite, quite larger because everything is bigger, and I would say better, in Texas. Granted, they're building gas stations outside the state, but they're still headquartered here. Now, this is going to be their largest grand opening. This one is going to be in Florida, as we like to call it, Diet Texas. It's, there's a lot of similarities. Pretty good place to be. Now, that store, with the new record, is going to be 80,000 square feet of store space. So that's just for the convenience store, which is, granted, that's where a majority of the profits come when you own a gas station. You make a little bit of money on the gas, but really the higher percentage profitable things are in the store. They have really unique merchandise. They also have a lot of the foods. They have clean bathrooms, which, if you're going on a road trip, I'm not saying it's 100%, but it's never a 0% chance that you're going to get stabbed if you go into a Shell gas station. There is a 99% chance that you're going to see about a quarter inch of dust on all the drinks there, which is why... I haven't gone there in, gosh darn near, probably five, seven years. I always make sure to stop at better gas stations where I can just go in and out, get my food, get, or actually, I'm more of an automobile. I, I like to be brisk in my travel, so usually just go in and out for the restroom. And Bucky's has clean restrooms, and they even advertise it on their signs. Brilliant marketing by a brilliant company. Now, this new record-breaking location, 
they're not they're not going to have you know 12 gas pumps they're not going to have 50 gas pumps they're going to have 120 fueling stations and 750 parking lots or parking spaces 750 parking spaces for a Bucky's. That is almost like a small town if you think of the capacity of that. I can't help but wonder, a little improv to research, how many how many parking spaces are at a Walmart on average? Let's see what the what the old interweb comes up with. Come on, let's see here. How many parking spaces? Just to give us a relative comparison, since most people shop at Walmart. Eh, okay. Bigger than I thought. So Walmart looks like the first website from, what is this? This is a statistics website saying that they have about 1,200 parking spaces. That's quite a bit. So. That's a Walmart Supercenter store, so, I mean, gone are the days with small Walmarts. Now they're all super stations, so the size of like a city, basically. So, Bucky's about has the same capacity as a Walmart for parking spots. That is unparalleled capacity. And brilliant marketing, too. Every week we're talking about Bucky's because they're making yet another bigger, 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 better gas stations and convenience stores. And time shall tell us to you if anything could stop that tenacious beaver that is Bucky. Other interesting businesses, you have the sriracha sauce coming with a sorge. Now, this is a product created in 1980 by David Tran, and you have some Amazon sellers asking as much as $120 for a two-pack, which, geez louise, I can't admit, I can't fathom spending that much on a condiment, personally, I think. Anything above pepper and salt is a luxury you don't need. Nice to have, but you don't need. Now, they claim there's been a shortage for the past three years as... Hoi Fong, the company that makes product, they said that it's the chili peppers that have consistently been in short supply. Now, last year, they temporarily stopped orders because of shortage, which also affected its chili garlic and sambal olek products. And they also went on to further explain that in 2012, they sold about 20,000 bottles. And they also say that demand has always outpaced supply since the company has started the sauce. They don't even advertise it, which if you look at the success of a company, if you get to the point in the business where it's, it's a very fascinating pivotal point where instead of pushing the product or paying for adver advertising to have the name out there, it's already out there and has a kind of a cult following in and of itself. It's, I think what every brand really strives for is to be a staple, in this case a condiment. If you think of a tissue paper, most Americans don't think of a tissue, they think of the brand Kleenex, which is a specific brand I believe owned by Kimberly Clark over in Irving, Texas. So it's really a fascinating thing where you could kind of surpass that and become a staple of someone's, in this case, their whole food category. And time to tell to see how long this shortage goes. But again, I'm a financial analyst, but well, no, I, I think I could probably prudently say it's not wise to spend hundreds of dollars on condiments for food. That's just me. Now, other interesting financial news in the business world, you have Goldman Sachs wanting to get out of Apple Finance. Now, Apple Finance was one of the most revolutionary, brilliant ideas by Apple that they've had in a couple of years. I mean, they're very interesting in their where they innovate because the new iPhone, woohoo! It's got a slightly nicer camera. It's slightly thinner. Great. So I'm glad that they see they're actually starting to go to new avenues. Now, 
You might have seen everyone having that brilliantly marketed in terms of the design. It's a little metal card with the Apple logo, very eloquent, more of a simplistic design. And Goldman Sachs was a bank behind it. Apple wasn't actually becoming a bank, it was a partnership. Now, Goldman Sachs says they want to move away, not necessarily because of Apple in particular, but just their business model. They want to focus more on business to business, so you know, giving loans to small medium businesses. They want to decrease their presence in the consumer areas in terms of kind of like my IT company, Top Technologies, we don't help individuals with their technologies. We're a business to business company where we specifically help and assist businesses with their IT needs. So similar in this case, Goldman Sachs wants to focus on more business to business relationships. And it looks like they're also re-evaluating re their, deal, their deal agreement with General Motors since they have a General Motors agreement where they have a little partnership with them for a card for the people who still buy those vehicles, I suppose, or more accurately, probably the employees. There's a lot. Once you get to a certain level, there's a lot of benefits with bigger companies. They give you different types of amenities. Now, in both instances, the rumor is that they're actually talking to American Express. So Goldman would want to transition that business to that other financial entity. Now, granted, of course, Apple would still need to sign off on this since they have a contract with Apple. But in terms of Apple increasing their revenue and increasing their capabilities and helping out their clients, it's still pretty pretty brilliant move that's helped their stock as well. Now, other interesting business news, you have Nike changing pricing and their business model because they recently just missed their profitability measurement, or more accurately, the amount of profit they told Wall Street that they would be generating. And if you're publicly traded, you got to be very careful about what you tell Wall Street and the public because people are literally making bets or more sophisticated, a more sophisticated way of saying gambling is they're investing in stocks and bonds and well, bonds to government, but people are putting, making a lot of financial decisions by what they say. Now, Nike missed their profitability mark, so many are wondering what are they gonna do since their Q4 market profitability was, they missed it. So they, the company claims that they're going to increase the prices after past couple of months, they've just been slashing prices left and right to try to move the inventory, which is kind of a downside of the whole industry of apparel now, personally, I buy a suit and I make it last forever. I've never thrown a suit away. So, buy a suit. I still have the suit from college. I still wear it. It's, it's a JC Penny suit. It's fancy. I like it. I don't know why. It, it, it boggles my mind that people buy clothing like, like weekly or daily or year. I buy a suit. I'll make it last the rest of my life. Nevertheless, most people, they want to see fashion trends and whatever is hip this week instead of going for more of a timeless look. And that's why there's a lot of cyclical, high cyclical rate in the apparel industry where they make all this stuff and they throw it out or discount it completely so they can make way for the new season or the new trendy widgets. Where the youth are wearing these days with their zip up jeans and their, their Crocs, which perhaps someone might say is a business, well, it's a fiscal success, but I digress. Now, Nike says it's going to increase their prices. So that, of course, that's going to increase their profitability. And they say that they're only going to increase their prices by single digit percentages. So in terms of the consumer perspective, they probably won't be too scared. It's not going up 50%, it's not doubling in price. So there might not be too much pushback from the consumer perspective, but more concerning for the ecosystem of Nike, so their partners, they're going to increase their direct business relationships with customers. Now, Nike has many outlets for their apparel. The two most common ways for products getting out to consumers are direct to consumer, which sounds exactly what it is. A business like Nike will sell their e-commerce, they'll sell directly to the end user. And they have their indirect business model. Now the indirect business model is where Nike will sell to 
Wholesalers also sell to brick and mortar stores like Walmart, Target, uh, maybe Shields is a good sporting apparel company or sporting company, they have a lot of things. So they'll, they'll sell to those stores and those stores will in turn sell to the end users. Now, Nike has been pivoting away from the business practice of selling to the stores and going more direct to consumer. Now, fascinating enough, that percentage has increased dramatically. Now, Nike's wholesale customers used to make a, a, currently make up 56% of their sales. So 56% of all Nike sales come from them selling to those stores like Walmart, Shields, Target, what have you. Now that should be especially concerning for those stores because four years ago, it was 70%. So that's double digits just gone, or in this case, removed from that ecosystem going to the other. So that should be pretty concerning if you sell Nike for a living. I would highly recommend diversifying in terms of carrying other competitors. You got Under Armour is another one that I know of. And then you have, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know a lot about clothing. I know like brands because of business and history, historicals, but athletic clothing, I don't know. I still wear the stuff I wore growing up and it still works just fine. Parts because it's made in the USA, it's tough as nails. Now, interestingly enough, on the same note, Nike did say they're going to start selling through Macy's as well as a company by the name of Designer Brands. And they're going to start selling more and more of their products probably Q3 or Q4 this year, so right around the corner. So it won't be too surprising to see if that grows a little bit, but given the larger trend of Nike, those aren't going to be large sales mechanisms, I wouldn't think. And especially concerning for the industry, you got to evolve, adapt, improvise, and overcome. And well, time shall tell to see how the investors like this business approach and if it is a more long-term sustainable practice for Nike. Now, other interesting business news, you have Apple hitting the $3 trillion mark, making them the most valuable company on the planet. That's publicly traded, we know about. There's a lot of things we don't know about, but nevertheless, for all intents and purposes, the most valuable company on the planet, one of the most profitable companies on the planet, which is partially why I run Android and Windows, because I know dollar for dollar, you're getting a little bit more depending on who, it's one of those things. Now, this was because of last Friday, their stock price hit a unit per share of $192. And that finally pushed them over that trillion dollar, the three trillion dollar mark. It'll be interesting to see how many times they'll be able to keep this up. I mean, in 2023, Apple shares are up more than 50%. And it sounds like there's gonna be more and more people investing and Apple, but it's a huge business, business achievement to hit that mark. And given the fact that within every two years, I believe it was 2018 and 2022, 2020 and 2022, they missed it, but they were hitting the one trillion mark and the two trillion mark. They're growing exponentially, which is another funny thing when everyone complains about hyperinflate, hyperinflation affects a lot of people. I find it fascinating to see so many people complain about the economy and cost of living going up. And they all keep throwing money at the most expensive IT products on the planet. But I digress, that's just me. Now, going on over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light getting ratioed again by the masses on the Twitter, which is one of the most amusing places you could spend your time. Free entertainment is highly, highly interesting. You can also follow me at Nick Topping, N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G. Now, They've been getting ratioed again and again and again as they try to overcome the backlash of the whole 
business blunder of them April 1st hiring a Dylan Mulvaney as their spokesperson for the brand or spokesman for the brand and having the big boycott that's tanked their sales, take their stock like 20 plus billion dollars. So they've been starting to put out more content after two months of just staying in the dark like a groundhog. Just the, the, poke, uh, poke the head up? No. Now, it is interesting to note that their new methodology of Twitter just putting out massive volume, multiple tweets a day. Not very good quality, but certainly the quantity, which some might argue that's the whole idea of Bud Light. It's just, yeah, it's not quality, but it's quantity. Just push that product out. Now, their most interesting tweet that I've seen this past couple days was they featured a memorable pic, which was a compilation of four different pictures, almost like a window. We have four pictures there. And it almost it was almost as if they tried to make the perfect picture in which people could use to meme. Because immediately, as soon as they posted it, everyone just used Photoshop or just Microsoft Paint, which I am very proficient at. And they just changed out the words. Now, the four pictures. You had the first picture, and it's a gal, although I, we don't, they actually did not clarify this person's gender, so we don't know for sure. A little disclaimer for the YouTube gods. Now, this is a picture of a gal sitting down and basically asleep, getting sunburned, and the phone's on her belly. And the first caption is, you know, work email. And, of course, she continues to sleep because she's lazy and she doesn't care about her career. Now, the second picture is having the text of her sleeping doing nothing is family group chat. And, of course, she's lazy and does not acquiesce to actually do something with her life. She just ignores her family as well. Now, the three, the third picture of her again just sitting down, sitting down lazily sleeping is a spam call, which, yeah, I, okay. Maybe I would ignore that too. I, makes sense. Now, the fourth picture, the little caption goes, beer delivery, at which point she jumps up from her from her chair and checks her phone because she needs that alcohol. She needs the booze. Well, there's a debatable small insignificant amount of alcohol in a Bud Light, but there is some amount. And that's what really got that's what got her out, out of her lazy, lazy position. Now, that picture within eight hours had six hundred and forty-four likes. However, the parody, which had the they copy the first three pictures. So first picture is the same, lazy girls laying down, ignoring her work email. Second picture is the same, lazy girl laying down, ignoring her family. Third picture is, yeah, her same, ignoring a spam email. For the fourth picture, they changed the little text description to say, new Bud Light to ratio. And that immediately, that, that parody tweet, the response to the Bud Light one, remember the Bud Light one within the first eight hours got 644 likes. This one got 1,109 likes in eight hours. Just completely ratioed, as the youth might say. That might be a cool pin or swag or um, button or sticker to make. But it just goes to show you, they're trying to push out the massive amount of volume, but no one is no one is no one's believing them. Because again, they have not apologized. They haven't addressed the big elephant in the room or the big ambiguous elephant. No. Something. There is a joke to be they there a metaphor to be made there. Now, the more interesting tweets are the ones that they hide, which I'll give them credit in terms of they let a certain amount of parodies stand, but the ones they hide are even more entertaining. Now, the one that keeps reoccurring, which if you watch this as a highlight, I'll probably put it in the thumbnail of the video. And again, I appreciate your patience as we try to build out the channel. I'm looking at different softwares in which we could actually put up pictures in real time as I do this in addition to my current IT job. Now this is the famous meme where you have someone standing over a grave with a little peace sign and a smirk 
implying they killed the thing, I guess. And is Alicia Heinerstyle, the brilliant, the gal who who prominently on LinkedIn says she's the first marketing gal in the booze industry. I'm not saying she'll be the last, but she did the, she quite literally is a business owner of the century when it comes to destroying a brand and destroying sales. And it has her, her face on that guy. And the gravestone says Anheuser-Busch, you know, 18 whatever to 2023. That is hilarious. There's, and I looked, there's more than 25 of the same meme just posted again and again and again on the hidden Twitter. So it sounds like, uh, of course, I would, I, would ne I would never recommend you take the time to do this. But if you were to actually post that meme again and again and again on the response to the Bud Light tweets, it sounds like their HR is taking a significant amount of time to manually go in and actually censor each and every one of those. Sure be a shame if thousands of people did that. That'd be awful. Just, just terrible. But as Bud Light continues to go for this massive volume of tweets and literally giving beer away in an attempt to celebrate July 4th, they have that rebate where if you buy a can, 15 pack of beer for $15, they have a $15 mail-in rebate. Now, if you believe in the boycott, there's no bloody way. Actually, wait, given the day, given, given this day of celebration, I'll just say there's no damn way. Because bloody is British. British is weak. That's why we won. But I, I digress. Now, even if, if you buy that right now, it helps their sales. It sounds silly, but in terms of being a publicly traded company and a giant business, it does help them. Not only can they use, again, even if it's now profit, they can actually record the revenue. And a lot of companies, when you're looking at publicly traded companies, they brag about their revenue. That's a big benchmark for how people evaluate businesses. So even if they're not making profit, it's a huge increase to the revenue. Also, it helps with their cost of goods sold. Many businesses, some of the largest IT companies I know, will sell hundreds of millions of dollars in laptops and servers to the largest banks of the United States at no profit. Now, some might I ask why, that doesn't make any sense. It's because of the components and the suppliers. Now, if you're selling 100,000 laptops and you're only using Intel processors, that's gonna help you get a better discount on the other Intel processors you buy because you're buying in bulk. So even though you're not making a big amount of profit or any profit on that one order, it helps with the other orders and decrease the cost of goods sold. I'm not, I haven't researched it enough. Actually, no, Bud Light bragged about, or actually they begged, don't hurt the farmers because it's your fault if you boycott it. Then the farmer will starve, it's not ours. The Bud Light CEO is falling flat on his face. It's quite entertaining. But that being said, it sounds like the farmers are not part of their ecosystem. They don't work directly for Bud Light. And if they're buying less, I can only assume dirty pond water and hops for the Bud Light, the smaller the quantity they purchase, the higher the price per unit. So again, if you believe in this boycott, do not acquiesce to this free mail-in rebate, which again, mail-in rebates are BS to begin with because most people don't actually follow through the paperwork and you're only gonna get a little gift card. So if you believe in the boycott, do not let up on the gas pedal. And if you don't know what a gas pedal is or what a third pedal is or manual transmission, a manual transmission car, I, I can't help you. Just you got to go out there and re do the, do some research and have some fun in your life. If you drive three pedals, those cars will make you smile. Every every inch of that mile. I'm a poet and I did not even know it. Now, other interesting culture news. You have Theo Vaughn and Roseanne Barr versus the cancel culture. Now, Theo Vaughn is probably one of those famous stand-up comedians as well as uh, someone who grows a mullet. Two very unique things. And he has this podcast called This Past Weekend, in which he has a bunch of interesting people on the show has diverse number of interviewees from comedians to rock stars to philosophers 
And he has a pretty interesting show. Now, Roseanne was recently canceled a couple years ago. She, she was high and made a a race, a joke about race. It was her race too, but she made a joke about that race. So of course, you know, the show Roseanne, the, the reboot had to cancel her immediately. And now we have someone by the name of Brian Cranstonstein who wants to, who's tweeting to try to cancel her. Now, a little background on this individual. I can't think of a nice way of saying, yeah, I, I can't think of a nice thing to say about him. Now, this is an individual who publicly tweeted, quote, one, seeing a man naked on a bike isn't going to have much of an impact on a kid. They have likely seen their fathers or brothers naked before. Weird. He also goes on to say that seeing naked men on the internet might be might be a little bit worse, but there's far worse things on the internet for kids. So that, that's a little background on the type of person who wants to cancel someone else, which again, as soon as I think of, as soon as I hear that someone wants to cancel someone else or is calling for someone to be canceled, I'm immediately suspicious because those who want censorship are either the, usually the ones who are most morally vacuous and have the worst ideas because the ideas can't stand a simple debate between someone who has opposing viewpoints. My three cents. It used to be two cents, but this 40-year hyperinflation is killing us. Now, he called on her to be canceled because she made a joke about the Jewish community in World War II. And it should be noted, she is Jewish. And she had a little monologue talking about the truth that you could say versus the truth that you're allowed to say. And if you listen, I think you'll realize she's being sarcastic and sure, she is a comedian, it's a bit. And Theo Vaughn walks people through that in his response videos. But here's, here's a little expert, uh, excerpt of her on the show. I, when I ran for president in 2012, one of my uh, platform things was I will outlaw bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, and I know that that horrified people because what will I do now? Right. They're addicted to it. They. I mean, that'd be 85 to 95% of YouTube just gone. I mean, and most major mainstream media, left and right. I'd rather have that than food or a happy family. We're so addicted to their fucking bullshit. It's true, huh? But, you know, comics, I think, we're the last free speech art form. And as long as we're performing, things ain't as bad as they could be. You know? I think that's true. As long as we're performing, things aren't as bad as they could be. Yeah. And that's always been the case throughout time, like with jesters or with yeah. people. It is true. It seems to be the final frontier. Lord knows you can't make a joke in the office these days. You'll be, well, unless it's against religious people. For some reason, that's a socially, culturally acceptable thing to make fun of Catholics, Christians. They're always, they're always the butt of the joke, which is kind of pathetic. I mean, think of something more creative. Well, that we try and speak up and share. There's always been a ceiling on, on speech, hasn't there, in a way? Of course. Nobody wants to hear the real truth. They're horrified. Of it. They'd rather go with bullshit. It's easier. Kind of like food and dieting. Most people don't want to go to the gym and get up at 4.30 in the morning and work out for a couple of hours to make sure they're in tip-top shape and make sure their mind and body are running at the highest efficiency possible. They want to eat McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong with... Well, I was about to say, not that there's anything wrong with McDonald's. Well, well, debatable. And uh, Like for the real truth that, you know, and I'm glad that they did set up all these guidelines so that we only are allowed to speak the truth. And the truth is that Biden got 81 million votes by winning 36 counties. A statistical anomaly, anomaly that has never happened before, but that's 
has happened. And that is just incredible. It really, really is. And um, that of these 81 million... It's interesting to also know that YouTube actually just now changed their policies so you can actually question elections again. For most of my life, all the way up to 2000, you know, and when Trump got elected, that's all they talked about was Russia, Russia, Russia. Turned out to be all BS. They all said the election was corrupt and it was just ridiculous. But then 2020, you were not allowed to, if you even hinted that someone might be, a, something might be askew, whether it's comedian Stephen Crowder going to Michigan and driving to empty lots where there's nothing there, but there's a little card with a registration saying this person lives at that spot and they voted. If you said that, you were immediately blacklisted from the site. Channels removed, completely, complete lives destroyed, demonetized, because they asked questions. So in 2020, we were told you, you can never ask questions again. Is more people voted than in any time in history before. You cannot question that. Just shut up. Do not question things. But then, as a couple of weeks ago, Google and YouTube decided, yeah, you can do that. Many y'all are wondering why are they changing this policy? Are they prepping it for the 2024 election and they think maybe Trump might win and then they're going to revamp that marketing campaign? I don't know, but it is interesting timing. Brilliant supporters who gave him more more votes than any president has ever gotten before he came with a man which also weird people talk about voter suppression there are more votes than ever in u.s history ever and I'm, I'm, i don't know how racist this it's ridiculous how racist these some of these people are where they think minorities can't get a driver's license guess what i got one just fine from these 81 million voters and uh you know I, i'm just glad that they were very careful to make sure that nobody could um, detract from that proven truth. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Like that nobody... That they mandated that that was the truth and that nobody could say, well, what about no? Oh, it was made a man mandate? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So the government made it a mandate? Yeah, because, you know, YouTube did and so did... Uh, all oh, the so you can't speak? You can't even speak on that in Facebook? those platforms. Facebook did? No, you can't say, you know... That it wasn't. You can't say that, like, you know, the there election was election. Was rigged or, yeah, right. that's all a lie. The election was not rigged. 36 counties can give you 81 million votes. Right. That's a fact. Is it? One of the... Let's see. Yeah, one of the top... One of the top comments on Twitter says he Biden won 570 out of 2,500 counties, but the statistic that matters is 16.7% of all the counties in the country yielded 81 million votes, which is statistically impossible. This is according to MJD on the Twitter, which I need to look into that, but that is one of the top comments on this. So it wasn't rigged? Of course not. Yeah. 36 counties have 81 million people in there. Yeah, 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 See? That's the truth. And yeah. don't you dare say anything against it or you'll be off YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other ones because we have, you know. Up until five minutes ago, that was true. They completely just deplatformed you. There's such a thing as the truth and facts and we have to stick to it. And, um, you know. It's scary. And that is. It's like 1984, which. It's probably a dangerous game if you watch this show and you take a drink every time I mention that book. I don't recommend it because that's probably going to be deadly, mildly entertaining perhaps, but it's one of those things where 
two plus two equals five. They torture a guy in the book until he uh, he just says it is five, and that's sad that that's the society we live in now. Is the truth, and nobody died in the Holocaust either. No. That's the truth. Yeah. It should happen. It, six million Jews should die right now because they cause all the problems in the world, but it never <laughs> happened. But it never happened. Yeah. Mandated. Well, you're, because you're. So Theo Vaughn, the interviewer, his little description of this clip is he said, here's a full clip of Roseanne Barr, obviously using sarcasm and satire. She is a mensch, M-E-N-S-C-H, which I think is a, it's a slang for Jewish culture. And one of the funniest people I ever met. And part of the joke is there was a time where you weren't allowed to talk about that. And there were some people who actually didn't believe it. Part Jewish, right? Part of your family's Jewish. I'm all Jewish. You're all Jewish. hundred percent. And a lot of Hollywood is Jewish. Yeah, it's like a, it's like, a lot of Hollywood is a Jewish business. Really, well, they started Hollywood. Yeah. Right. But so was it weird? Just that... like rap. Black people started rap. Yeah. So I wouldn't go over there and try to get in rap and go. All these black people, you know, go on Saturday Night Live like Dave Chappelle. Uh, I'm just saying, a lot of black people are in control of rap. Right. Hello. Well, you went there. You yeah. try to get in show business. Of course, it's Jewish. But, you know, and people should be glad that it's Jewish, too, because if Jews were not controlling Hollywood, all you'd have was fucking fishing shows. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? What? Okay. So, obviously, try, trying to do a bit, some might say, in the comedic community. But... Yeah, it's one of those really, and you got that, what is it, Brian, what is that guy's name? So Brian Cranstein, he's the one that's fervently calling for her to be canceled and is trending on the Twitter. And to give, I give Theo Vaughn credit. I mean, he'll interview everyone. It's very diverse. He interviewed Robert Kennedy Jr. And that interview was also censored by, I know it's cliche to say, but big tech. It's interesting to see how many platforms are scared to allow him to speak. But given how, given her long-term track record, and we'll see how long they're really canceled. But it's fascinating to see from a cultural perspective, more and more people seemingly want censorship, which is perhaps the biggest threat to democracy I could think of is the silencing of different opinions and ideals. And hopefully that trend turns around and more and more people will realize the importance of the First Amendment. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Barbie moving. And the Barbie movie is scaring the living daylights out of the executives because they're going head-to-head -head against the actresses. Now, the Barbie was first produced on March 9th, 1959, invented by Ruth Handler. She was one of the, I believe, one of the founders also of Hasbro. Her and her husband actually, I believe, made Hot Wheels toys. One of the most inspirational entrepreneurial couples in retail history or production of toy history for sure. Now... You have the head executive producers of Mattel Films, Robbie Brenner, who is a woman, saying that Barbie isn't a feminist movie, and many of the other executives at Mattel are saying, no, this has nothing to do with politics. Don't look here. It's just a movie about a doll. Movie's also rated PG-13. Because that makes sense, because a lot of you know, kids, you know, yeah. No, actually, no, it doesn't make sense. I think the average Barbie buyer is preteens. I don't know these things. I guess so. Now, they've had many production issues. You have not only the 
the head producer saying this not famous movie, you have the chief operating officer of Mattel, Richard Dixon, flew out to London multiple times to argue with director Greta Gerwig and Noma, Noah Bombich, who wrote the movie. And you also have Margaret Abbey, who apparently, I did research, she is apparently an actor or actress, and she's very angry because she's claiming it is a feminist. Now, she might be better known for, what does she play? And she also, she looks nothing like Barbie. Like, if you're going to make a movie about Barbie, like, make it look like they actually look the part. Another weird, bizarre thing for casting as well as the lack of cosmetics. And they could have done better to actually make her look like Barbie. Now, she's also known for playing the actress in Harley Quinn, which that movie actually advertised as saying, Toxic Men are going to hate this movie. Men don't go see it, which it worked perfectly because I never even heard of the movie. So their advertising worked, which is a smart way to alienate I mean, half of the audience of prospective people who would want to see a movie. Harvey Quinn is supposedly the Joker's girlfriend. And this, it, she, I don't know if this is, I can't tell if this is her on or off the set, but it is, this person looks inebriated and using illicit drugs. So she is one of the actresses saying, oh yeah, this is absolutely, this is a very, very feminist movie. And you also have the actress Isa Ray, who plays the Barbie president. Hey, President Barbie? How are there more than one Barbie? So are they all Barbies? Who's marketing this crap? I thought there was one Barbie in the Barbie universe and all the other ones were different names. But I guess in terms I guess of like a term like human, they're Barbie? Bizarre. So actress Isaiah Ray, who plays the president Barbie, also made it clear that it has feminist messaging. While asking how she identifies a Ken, Ray said, quote, I think, I think Ken, for me, is just kind of there. I think Ken is a great accessory. That's what I loved about Greta's imaging of Barbie, is that Kens are just supplemental characters to these Barbies. While Barbies can do everything, Kens are there as a kind of support and don't necessarily have their own story, unquote. Which is yet another example, 995,862, of Hollywood hypocrisy. Because I, I dare someone in Hollywood to make a movie where they say, oh yeah, the, the wife is just an accessory. So, Maybe that maybe I shouldn't need to sound like it's the 1920s. Just telling me, yeah, yeah, the wife is accessory. You say she, she just got there, yeah. Or maybe that's more gangster than 1920s. Nevertheless, it wouldn't happen. There would be again. There's a disparity between. Well, no one really cares about men's rights these days, which is concerning for the poor, poor souls to actually get divorced and have their lives destroyed completely. But it's one of those things where no one's going to be throwing up a picket rally and protesting this movie. Parts because I don't think enough people care because it looks like garbage. But she actually added, and I think it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's incredibly strong for a man to be supportive, to be in supportive roles and support the greatness that is woman slash Barbie, unquote. Which again, I thought Barbie was a woman. What are they saying? Is it an either or? This is bad communications all around. And the executives are rightly scared the scared to all deaths that this is going to be highlighted as a political film because they're saying time and time and time again these films have been cratering into the ground you have elemental i think it was from pixar where the main character of this animated film was a ambiguous uh, it was a, a they their pronoun and it was a kids movie parents decided we're not going to spend 
money to have our kids introduced to these themes at this age that they're at. And that movie's going to lose probably $250 million. It's doing terrible. And you're seeing the same thing. I believe The Flash came out with the controversial actor who has a track record of being arrested and assaulting women. That's, which is another example of 9,955,853 of Hollywood hypocrisy. But they still start him in a movie. Well, I guess he saved his own career because he changed his pronouns to be they, them. And then they rehired this person. I suppose I don't have to worry too much about my channel being demonetized because it's not monetized yet. But once you do, you have to be careful about all those words, which is why I'm also going to upload these to Rumble shortly in the future. And another, another time where you can actually take a couple of minutes to take time or seconds to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps out the channel and tell your friends because, of course, guerrilla marketing is key. And someday I will have enough money to put a poster board on a gorilla so that we can have real guerrilla marketing. I don't know what zoo or if you could release that in into captivity, but that would be a great marketing campaign. You gotta think outside the box, people. Now, hotel executives, again, they're scared that's gonna be, and they actually also introduced more policies in the movie. They have a, a male who, wait, a male who identifies as a female play the Dr. Barbie. So there's a doctor in the movie as well, which is also sexist to think that the male, the doctor has to be a male or male born. Thought there's progress in the Barbie universe. Apparently not. They also wasted more paint than ever before. There's an article last week saying there's a shortage globally for pink paint because they use so much pink paint on the set of the Barbie movie, which now that I think about it, that's probably a good thing. There's no real legitimate reason to have pink that I can think of. There's like one day a year Hallmark twist your hand to pretend like to show your love for someone, which again, you don't have to wait all year. That's ridiculous marketing. And again, this movie is going to crash and burn. Same with Indiana Jones for the same reasons. They're inserting politics into something where people don't want to be preached at. This movie is also going to alienate most of his audience because half the United States. I can't contemplate a single man who would go to this movie. Unless the wife really hated him. It, if a wife was passive aggressive, she might be able to get her husband to come to this movie. Like... That, that's the only conceivable way I can think of a man voluntarily going into a theater to watch Barbie. And again, you don't have to have politics. Super Mario Brothers made $1.3 billion at the box office. And there's no politics in that. It was just a cartoon movie based on intellectual property people loved. Which is another reason Mattel should be scared shitless. Because this is one of the most legacy, successful brands of the company. And they could potentially destroy it. That should be very concerning. When again, many there's many, 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 many different dolls that are made, but there's only one brand of which is Barbie that people pay a premium for. And time shall tell to see if this is perhaps a business blunder of the year. Well, no, Bud Light's doing a pretty good job at that. They will certainly maybe be the business blunder of the week or the month. We'll see how little money this movie makes. Again, I'm not necessarily a gambler, but if I were to place money on this, I'd say, yeah, it's going to lose money. I would say, as Manager Gate Ball would say, now, look, the outlook is not good. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have the AK guy versus the ATF. Now, the AK guy is a social media influencer as well as a small business owner in Texas by the name of Brandon Herrera. He is also, he's known as the AK guy because he builds a lot of AK-47s, 
headquartered in the best state and the best country on the planet, Texas. So he gets an A-plus already because he's Texan. Now, he has an average of 140 million views per year on his YouTube channel and 258 subscribers on the Twitterverse. And he's invited by Florida Congressman Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene to give a statement to the ATF Oversight Field hearing. Now, Matt Gates is the congressman out of Florida that is best known for being the congressman who introduced a bill to abolish the ATF. And given the day of the 4th of July, I can't think... That's, that patriot deserves to have someone buy him a beer. Considering the Second Amendment was the foundation for founding the United States. Granted, they don't teach history anymore in public schools, unfortunately, for many reasons. There's, there's a couple good teachers out there, don't get me wrong. But on average, they're not told the importance and the significance of the First Amendment being protected by the Second Amendment. As a wise man, Charlton Heston once said, there's, they know that there's, there's sacred stuff that resides in that wooden stock and blued steel. It's a beautiful thing to be able to have the right to protect yourself, your family, and your country. And very few countries have that written and enshrined as a right. I find it disgusting and abhorrent that some might take it away and pride themselves by taking away that right. Now, specifically, he actually had a little channel, a little testimony was videoed. So this is Brandon going to the hearing committee. Let's see what he has to say. First off, I'd like to thank you, uh, Congressman Gates and Congresswoman Green, uh, for allowing... And yet another thing I give him credit for, he knows how to suit up, which... It's something I critique Zelensky all the time. We've given them over $100 billion and he came to the United States in a sweater? A sweater? That is a crime against fashion. Most important things in your life, you should always suit up, man. That's what you do. I mean, a platform to speak about the ATF. It is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms was formed about 50 years ago. They don't teach this in school. Guaranteed in 1972. It wasn't originally intended to be a law enforcement or for that matter a law interpretation agency of the federal government. Believe it or not, it was founded as a split off from the Treasury Department. It was formed as a sort of accounting division tasked with processing taxes paid on exactly what the name says, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Particularly taxes for compliance with things like the 1968 Gun Control Act and eventually the National Firearms Act. Much like many other divisions of the federal government, it did not take long for the ATF to grow and operate well past its original purpose. The founding fathers would not approve of this entity. Less than 20 years after it was founded, we had the Ruby Ridge standoff with armed members of the ATF and FBI in 1990, followed closely by the Waco siege in 1993, both of which resulted in high-profile civilian casualties by the ATF. Ruby Ridge was when a man accidentally cut down his shotgun a little too much for the barrel length and him and his family were massacred. Yeah. Little highlighting example that perfectly perfectly embodies many of their actions. This was a high watermark for the ATF in terms of being like a violent task force of sorts, as it was quickly determined that their actions were not only morally and legally questionable, but also a bad look for public perception. This was not the end of the expansion of the ATF's duties, however. The modern tactic that the ATF is exercising is expanding definitions of previously passed laws to include new things not covered in said laws. Mm. You see, the ATF is not a legislative body. They're not supposed to make laws, but they conveniently reinterpret the laws 
and something I find additionally abhorrent, go after small businesses. It is not Congress, and it cannot make new laws. But in changing or expanding definition of laws already passed by Congress, they are essentially legislating. You see, even though Congress recently tried to reverse the ATF's ban on stabilizing pistol braces, uh, a bill that failed, the ATF did not need any such bill to implement the ban on them in the first place. That was a phenomenon in which the ATF originally approved the patent of this product that millions, estimated 10 to 40 million Americans purchased, where instead of a solid stock, it had a little thing that would wrap around your arm and it would stabilize the AR-15. So you had 10 to 40 million Americans purchase this product with the government saying, yes, it's a legal product. This does not redefine your pistol into a short-billed rifle, which would traditionally fall under the National Firearms Act and, a, and a require a $200 tax stamp as well as additional fingerprint, photo ID, um, application, and taxes, and all that stuff, on top of sales tax. So many people bought it. And then the ATF decided, mm, we're going to reinterpret this and turn you to felons. If you don't turn this in or register it as a short-billed rifle, you will get 10 years in prison and $250,000 fine. Oh, also you're a felon, so you can never vote again for a product people legally purchased. Now, granted, from my personal perspective, I always thought the product was a little bit of a gimmick, but I always will tell people I'll fight to the death for the right to purchase the products they want because this is America and you should have that ability and that freedom and you purchased it legally. They shouldn't have the ability to take away your property without due process, which used to be a popular thing in the United States, believe it or not. But I digress. They simply made a decision to redefine them as SBRs or short-barreled rifles and therefore regulated by the NFA, violations of which are punishable by 10 years in prison. How the hell can repealing a ban on something require a literal act of Congress, yet the ban itself did not require a bill to go before Congress in the first place? Precisely. Another way the ATF has been expanding its authority is by targeting legal federal firearms license holders or FFLs, such as gun stores, gun manufacturers, and so on. It's disgusting, and I find it particularly abhorrent and disgusting when politicians, they all say, we care about small businesses because they're the backbone of the economy. Well, they certainly are the backbone of the economy. I'm very proud to say that myself, my team have built a small business, many, a couple of them, and yet they'll enact more and more laws and they're all designed to cripple, kneecap, and destroy small businesses. Now, the ATF is permitted to perform audits on FFLs to ensure compliance. They supposedly want to make sure that the FFL holder is not violating the law and is keeping the proper paperwork. However, in the past few years, this has been weaponized against FFLs and the gun industry as a whole as a way of shutting down otherwise legally compliant FFLs. What was originally intended to be a measure to stop rogue gun dealers from operating outside of the law has now, under the Biden administration, become a tool for federal agents at the request of their superiors in D.C. to shut down gun stores and manufacturers for simple clerical errors. Disgusting. And you know what's even more disgusting? Hypocrisy. Because guess who just got off scot-free for lying on federal paperwork to purchase a firearm? Hunter Biden. He lied on a 4473, which is a federal document that you want to sign Basically, think of it as a job application to buy a gun. He intentionally lied on it, and he admitted it in his dumbass autobiography. He wrote in his autobiography, I was addicted to illicit substances at the time of the purchase of that handgun, and on the application, you had to click a box swearing you are not addicted to illegal substances at the time of the purchase of the handgun, or in his case, handgun, rifles, shotguns, what have you. He lied on that federal document. If you do it, or I were to do that, you get minimum 10 years in prison. And yet, he got a plea deal 
where not only is there no jail time, no jail time at all, he also gets a cushy thing called discrepancy, disparity, some BS term, but the long story is he's on a little probation, and if he doesn't mess up, which statistically speaking he probably will, but if he somehow managed to not mess up in the next you know, one or two years or whatever, they expunge it from his record. And yet you have mom and pop gun shops, mom and pop manufacturers make an honest mistake and they're destroying their livelihood, shutting down their businesses. That's disgusting. Those politicians, we don't use the term red coats enough. We need to bring that back. Make red coats abhorrent again. Rates of FFL revocation are up drastically, as Biden's new zero-tolerance rule has caused many innocent gun stores to close, guilty of only minor paperwork errors on forms attempting to comply with the law, as we've heard here today. I'm personally also an FFL, and I have little doubt that because I'm here willing to talk to you about this publicly, I can expect my audit to be coming shortly. I wouldn't be surprised. You have unprecedented amount of political persecution in the United States and religious persecution in the United States. Two things that when we founded our country were the bedrock and the foundation. We, 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 we kicked Great Britain to the curb, probably, because we wanted religious freedom. We wanted to have the ability to create our own livelihood. We wanted to have representation. How far we've fallen kind of breaks my heart. Will we get back up? I pray we do. But as FFLs, we shouldn't have to be worried about taking political stances against the ATF for fear of targeted backlash. As gun owners, we, should, we shouldn't have to worry about new gun laws who have the ability to turn law-abiding citizens into felons, especially without an act of Congress. Don't forget, 10 to 40 million Americans are now felons. The amount of people who actually did the paperwork for the SBR conversion or registering their little plastic stabilizing brace to become a stock for that short build rifle. You're talking about less than I believe 6,000 people. That's not even 1% on the most conservative, even on the best scenario where you're thinking only nine or 10 million purchased the product, not even a single percent complied, which means legally speaking, they're all felons. They will, they will never, if they get caught, they'll never be able to vote again. They will have to pay a $250,000 fine and 10 years in prison for a piece of plastic, which does not change the functionality of the firearm. And they did it as a stroke of a pen that any, we don't even like, we don't get to choose who goes to the ATF. We don't nominate them. We don't vote for them. And yet just as a, as a stroke of a pen, this entity decided, well, we're going to reclassify it, even though you purchased it legally. And because you did not bend the knee and you didn't turn it in, now you're a felon and you'll never be able to vote again. Political persecution, again. That is why the ATF has to be reined in from the top. Not only for the sake of gun owners across the country, but also to set a precedent and remind other government entities that they are not allowed to play by their own rules. Oh, that's the nice thing about topping the topping show. You don't have advertisements popping up like this because we're not monetized yet. Oh here today and thank you for all the work that you're both doing to stop this weaponization and we're happy to take questions based as the youth might say as the youth might say great job by brandon Hera. hopefully something is done time shall tell now going on to the political part of the podcast you have 
the United States Supreme Court striking down the student relief program, saying it's unconstitutional. Now, these days, marketing is important, and politicians can sometimes be clever. Usually not, but some are clever. Now, the Biden administration thought it was a brilliant plan to come out with a, a student loan relief program. Now, it sounds, it sounds good. Who would vote against that? I mean, student loan relief, that sounds nice. It's loan relief, let's help them out. Now, what it really means is bribing voters and stealing tax dollars from people who are responsible with their life decisions. And they invested in degrees that were profitable or they chose not to go to college and learn a vocation and learn a practice. Now they, no, no, the government's saying, oh yeah, the people, who, those people, they should pay for the irresponsible people. I still have college loans for my business degree. I'm still paying them off because it's the right thing to do. It's what men do not acquiesce from responsibility. You took out a loan. I know you, you might, some argue you might have been too young to understand the risk, but you chose it. You signed the paperwork. And again, I kind of think college is sometimes a scam for a lot of degrees. I question the ROI, return on investment of many of them. I think there should be a great conversation on why are school, why are public schools brainwashing kids to think they can only be successful if you go to college? I know more millionaires who didn't go to college than ones who did. Needless to say, I think college is overrated in many ways. And I learned more in the first six months of owning a business than the first four years of getting a business degree. So I always tell people, start a small business, you'll learn a lot, you'll grow a lot. Now, the court struck down Biden's plan to bribe voters, I mean, uh, cancel the student debt, the debt of up to $20,000 for students for millions of Americans, which in terms of political moves on chessboard, it was intelligent or it was a prudent business move or a political move because it helped them win the midterms really good. They, in terms of projected midterms, no one thought Democrats were gonna do as they did. They did, it was, it was decades since they had such a great turnout. Traditionally, whoever's in power, whether it be Republican or Democrat from a president perspective, usually the midterms swings a little bit more in the other party's favor. That's how we've seen it for many decades. And yet, partially, I think, thanks to telling people, hey, if you vote, you, you keep voting for us, we're gonna pause this student loan so you don't have to pay it right now. And by the way, you might get 20 grand in your pocket to pay off those loans. Wouldn't that be nice? How that's not considered bribery is beyond me. It certainly sound, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, probably is a duck, or bribery in this case. Now, the decision was struck down by the Supreme Court. The breakdown was th uh, six to three. So six said it was unconstitutional. Three, you, you can guess which one said three. Three said that it was somehow constitutional, which shows how, so is it, God, I gotta use a thesaurus. It's a nice word, what's a nicer way, or a more eloquent way to say moron? Foolish, um, brainwashed, Instead, uh, leftist, yeah, the leftists on the Supreme Court, yeah, I doubt they've even read the bloody Constitution or the damn Constitution. Don't forget what the day is. No more British euphemisms. Now, Biden wanted, apparently, Biden wanted to spend $400 billion on this scheme, and the court says it's an illegal use of executive power. Now, this decision immediately upends the debt relief that the Education Department approved last fall for 16 million borrowers and the pending applications of millions of additional borrowers. Chief Justice John Roberts, writing for his Republican appointed colleagues, he rejected the Biden administration's argument that it could enact mass debt forgiveness by using the emergency waiver powers tied to COVID-19 pandemic. Which, yeah, you have a 20-year loan and you're somehow trying to argue that the government caused, the government shutting down the economy, which, disgusting, it caused many people to lose their jobs and many businesses to die forever, but they're saying, oh yeah, we want to keep using these additional powers for this reason. Well, I don't see the correlation at all. 
Now, Roberts wrote that the Heroes Act, which that was smart marketing. It sounds fancy. It must be kind of like the Patriot Act. It sounds patriotic. How could you vote against it? Surely it's not bad for the country. Now, I digress. Roberts wrote that the Heroes Act, quote, allows the secretary to waive or modify existing statutory or regulatory provisions, but not rewrite the federal law on student loans from the ground up, unquote. Based, as the youth might say. Because again, you shouldn't be able to bribe someone like that. It makes no sense. I don't see, show me in the constitution where it says, oh yeah, they can just, the government, like, the government can take from the people who didn't take out the loans, they'll pay for the people who took out the loans. Just morally, does it sound, does it sound logical? If you're a communist, maybe, which, why are you here? But, and when I say here, I mean the United States. Although I do appreciate you taking the time to check out my channel, I guess, kind of. Again, fascinating. The people who believe in the co communism most have never been to a country that actually has it enacted. Go check it out. Then let me know what you think. Now, other interesting political news, you have the United States Supreme Court's preserving religious rights. Another win in, after decades of losing, thankfully. Now, in this particular case, the high court ruled that a Christian web designer had a right to offer design services for had a right to offer design services for opposite sex weddings while ref while ref what kind of jackass wrote this? This quote's terrible. I'm going to rewrite it right now in my head or just rephrase it. <laughs> opposite sex weddings? Who the 1984 drink, I guess. I don't encourage you to drink, but if you're playing that terribly dangerous game where you drink every time I mention that book, it's yet another time because I mentioned that book. But it used to just be called marriage. Now they're specifying opposite sex. All right. Let me rephrase this so it's properly written. Now, the high court ruled that a Christian web designer has a right to offer design services for marriage, traditional marriage, while refusing services for same-sex marriages. Now, this was a vote by 63, so again, you can think of the leftists who, of course, didn't think about the Constitution or religious liberties or religious freedoms. And the 63 vote, the justices sided with Lori Smith, who is an evangelical Christian and Colorado web designer who opposes same-sex marriage based on their faith. Now, the Colorado law bars businesses from discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation, but Smith argued that the free speech guaranteed by the federal constitution entitles her to an exemption from the law. I agree. Now, additionally, they, Gorsuch wrote, Colorado seeks to force an individual to speak in ways that align with its views but defy her conscience about a matter of major significance, unquote. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote, writing in the major opinion. Based. Again, that references to the youth might be about five to ten years old. I'll probably, I'll have to dust off the webpage of Urban Dictionary, I think, to find out what the youth are saying these days. But, yes, you should. It's one of those things where you're not entitled to someone's work. I I cannot imagine how hilarious it would be to see this on the contrary. We have an, someone on the left. Like, imagine trying to think of a good analogy. Going to a store and saying they must sell guns, which traditionally people on the right are more aligned to the Constitution and Second Amendment when you look at the breakdown. I wish I didn't. I really don't like the fact that firearms are a political mechanism used to get votes. 
I think it should be a nonpartisan issue where both sides say, hey, this United States, the Second Amendment founded our country. People who founded our country had their own private warships and, and additional cannons. Yeah, needless to say, I believe in Constitution and the Second Amendment, but it's a politically charged issue and it's for some, it's disappointing that it is a left versus right issue. I, I don't think it should be, but unfortunately it is. So for this example, imagine if someone went to a store and they said, where's, where's your rifles or where's your ammo? And they forced the store to carry that product. Even though the store owner is a communist or they don't believe in guns, you're going to go there and they, you have to carry the guns. You have to, but it's, it, it's my store. Nope. You have to, you, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to do what I say. I'm the customer. There are very few times. Oh, no. It's one of those things where the customer is not always right. It's, I know for decades, that's, that's all we've been told, but in this case, freedom of religion, again, one of the things the country was founded on, they won, which again, it's a rare thing, but when it happens, it's great because I think whether, whatever faith you hold dear to your heart or whatever creed you swear to, religious liberty is a foundation and a great blueprint for being a good person in my belief. And the United States was founded on freedom of religion. So if anything, I think we should put more of a premium on that, on that particular freedom, because it is a rare thing. We should hold it dear to our hearts. And time shall tell to see if this trend continues with the religious liberties, or if the discrimination and the vulgar wording against it, as we're seeing more and more people, the tweets were quite entertaining from this issue. Which side will bubble to the top? Which ideal will service to the top to be superior? Well, I'm no, I can't see the future, but I can't say. I like to, I like to say I'll be on the side of the Constitution. That's where I'll be. Time shall tell to see where others fall. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have California companies selling lab-grown meat for reasons. Now, these two companies are in particular are Upside Foods and Good Meat, which. As far as that, as uh, maybe Ron Swanson from uh, Parks and Recreation might say, it is neither good, it is neither good, nor is it meat. It's garbage. That might be the best impression I've done in a couple of weeks. Let me know in the comments. Time shall tell to see which impression is the best. Now they received a final approval from the U.S. De Department of Agriculture, approval that this to sell the lab-grown meat, which is paving the way for the nation's first ever sales of the product. Woohoo. No. Now, with the approvals, the United States will become the second country after Singapore to allow the sale of so-called cultivated meat, which is derived from, derived from a sample of livestock cells that are fed and grown in a steel vats. Does that in any way sound appealing to anyone? And, of course, this is a biased article because they think Everything living is bad. Now, they're saying this article, and this was in Reuters, they noted uh, livestock production generates 14.5% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. Okay. So what? Even if, Again, I'd be interesting to see how they measured that. Or actually, probably not. You want to see how they measure those, the emissions of that. But... I'd much rather have something that is grass-fed beef, something that's a time, tr one, one of the 
most long well-known foods on the planet in history versus mystery meat and more things I can't comprehend the long-term health fact what were the long-term ramifications of this are there any side effects I don't know but personally I think it'd be a better idea just to support your local farmers and again People are pretty good about coming up with new ways in terms of agricultural. United States produces more corn. So United States produces so much corn, they don't know what to do with it. So they literally put corn syrup into everything. Instead of using that land for corn syrup, which we don't need in all these products, and those sad subsidies for the farmers, which is the main reason they grow the corn, because it's a tax breaks and subsidies, have them grow cattle, have them have, uh, why don't you just have some life, livestock? Put some cattle out there. Lean, great beef. It's great. But and in terms of false advertising too, is good meat. No. That's like saying a microwaved hamburger is gonna be good. What? No, of course not. Good beef. And upside. I'll tell you what, it should be put I'd rather have that on some that should, it belongs on the upside or, or something. There's a joke in there somewhere. I'll leave it up to you to find it. But yeah, that certainly has to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to do it today. I cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate it when you take the time to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps out the channel. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.